You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. Now I want to change gears a bit and talk about the fear and anxiety that is at play right now and in our communities around getting vaccinated for COVID-19. And I specifically want to talk about the portion of the population who are still unvaccinated. My next guest is someone who spends a lot of time thinking not just about public health, but also about the deeper social, cultural, and political implications of people's decisions and attitudes about health care. Dr. Abdul El-Sayed is a public health doctor. He is former director of the Detroit Health Department, and he was a candidate for governor in 2018. He recently wrote a piece for his newsletter, Incision, and it is titled, on the futility of yelling, go to sleep, at a toddler. What sleep training taught me about anti-vaxxers and the big lie. Abdul El-Sayed, welcome back to Detroit Today. Stephen, it's always a privilege to be with you. Yeah, great to have you here. So let's start with a troubling statistic. Something like 40% of Americans are still refusing to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, Can these people be persuaded. In your piece, you you kind of suggest that we're going about it the wrong way. Yeah, I certainly hope so uh, for all of our sake, but I also believe so uh, in large part because of um, a a set of contrapositions that I've had the opportunity to to engage with. I remember way back when I was uh, traveling the state of Michigan and campaigning for governor, and I'd go to certain parts of town and folks would say, there's no one in that part of town who is uh, believe in anything you have to say, let alone want to hear from somebody whose name is Abdul El-Sayed about their politics. And I'd go to those parts of town, and I'd sit down with folks, um, and I'd have a lot of folks on, on either side of the aisle come through uh, just to listen and hear. And a lot of the stereotypes that uh, folks have in, uh, in our country about certain folks um, just didn't pan out. People were interested, and they wanted to listen. But one of the things that I came to understand was that there was a profound anxiety about this current moment. And that's just gotten worse in part because of the pandemic, in part because of our politics and in the past president who uh, had been telling lies to people and had turned lying uh, into a full on political art. And um, unfortunately, right, this moment, I think, uh, is is one where we're seeing that anxiety now transmogrifying onto this question of getting vaccinated. Uh, We have misinformation abounding. uh, But I also think that we've just gotten to this point where we just yell at each other across these lines that we never actually take the time to cross. Hmm. And so talk about this sleep analogy that, uh, that you invoke in, in, in your piece, the sleep training that we all go through with uh, the young people that we bring into the world. Do you think that's, that has some lessons for us about getting people to take the vaccine? Well, Steve, I'll tell you, it had a lesson for me, and, it, and I had to learn that lesson painfully as I was awake at 3 a.m. in the morning with, with my little girl, Emily. You know, Emily's our everything, uh, but she also just has this very large, um, very imposing personality, and um, she's, she's definitely afraid of the dark. And you take those things and put them together, and we've been trying to get her to sleep in her own bed, in her own room, um, and, uh, and she has been pushing back with everything she's got. At one point, she's cajoling us. At another point, she's yelling at us. At the third point, she's just on the ground screaming in tantrums. And I got to this point where, where I had just, I had just in, in, in full frustration, just said, just go to sleep. 
And I, I, as, as we were cooling off from that, I just thought about it for a second. I said, you know, this doesn't help in large part because I end up yelling at a little kid who's scared. And all it does is it pushes them further into their fears, further into uh, the way that that fear tends to leave them distorting uh, the things that they fear in the first place. Uh, making them worse for everybody. And I think in so many ways, this is a helpful metaphor to understand this moment and the way uh, that we are going about trying to get folks to do something uh, which we believe is, is is for their own good, right? My daughter sleeping is for her own good. She wakes up refreshed for the next day. People getting vaccinated is for their own good. It helps us take on this pandemic and it keeps them uh, safe from getting sick from a disease that's killed 600,000 people. And so the metaphor hit me uh, in this moment of pain, and I realize that I think it has a lot of utility for us as we think about going around, going about trying to address the societal anxiety that is stopping people from either protecting our democracy or protecting themselves. Hmm. So um, you also write about the big lie, and for people who don't know, can you talk about what that is and what people believe is the big lie? Yeah. A a startlingly high uh, proportion of people, over 40 percent in our country, do not believe that the 2020 election uh, was was fairly decided. And uh, that is in large part because of a full on disinformation campaign uh, launched at the very top of the White House uh, as uh, former President Trump uh, was dealing with or failing to deal with the fact that he had lost the election. Uh, he pushed a series of interlocking conspiracy theories uh, around the 2020 election to shake belief in the outcome of that election and ultimately the outcome uh, of the presidency. And the, the, the moniker, the big lie, uh, comes from uh, a, 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 uh, a whole literature about fascism mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that fascism starts with uh, these big lies. It's not the small lies that can move an entire society if you're a fascist. It's the big lie. And in so many ways, this lie about the election has become the big lie uh, that is in, in a lot of ways still orienting our politics, uh, particularly, unfortunately, in, in the Republican Party. Hmm. I'm talking with uh, Abdul El-Sayed. He's a public health doctor, former director of the Detroit Health Department. Uh, we're talking about a vaccine refusal, the idea of the fear and anxiety that people some people are feeling about getting vaccinated for COVID-19. And as a result, they're not taking the shot, which is making it a lot harder, frankly, to get past uh, the worst aspects of the pandemic. Uh, If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Let us know if you know somebody who is refusing to get the vaccine and whether you're able to have a conversation with those people about that. Are you successful at all in convincing people that this is the best way for all of us to move forward? What kinds of things are you saying? What kinds of tactics are you employing uh, to move people from this idea of fear about vaccines to acceptance? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll work into the conversation. we got a lot of social media comments already on this. Zoe on Twitter says they're afraid. Cite people they believe in who got vaxxed. Uh, Brandon, Brando on Twitter says uh, the medical benefits do not appeal 
to them, but extended mobility into public places and travel destinations may. I have long thought, Brando, that that was one of the levers that we ought to be be, be pulling. Uh, Brian on Twitter says it's not vaccine hesitation, it's vaccine refusal. Vast swaths of our population have zero trust in the government, and they have a long list why. Uh, let's go to Susan in Detroit. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I am one of those people, I'm not vaccinated, but it's not for not wanting to get it. It's for, I have a health condition. It's one of those, I'm not, it's uncomfortable, but I have an intestinal worm. It's an unusual one. It's very large and it's in my organs. I've uh, been to see the three major hospitals. U of M told me that they don't have luck treating intestinal worms, so they'd better put. They'd rather put their resources to things that they can actually treat. So they kind of, you know, it's like you're on your own, lady. Mm. It's it's raising my histamine. I've lost weight. I can't sleep. I'm sure my immune system's out of whack. So I went to another healthcare provider, and he said, "This is an infectious disease expert." He said, there are centers for parasitic diseases. We are not one of them. Hmm. But but so, yeah, Susan, so Susan, the the effect, though, on uh, your physicians are telling you that this condition means you should not get the vaccination? I did have a researcher, yeah. I reached out to him because we're concerned about an autoimmune response to it because my immune system is so... Whacked out of shape. They're afraid that if I get the vaccine, they don't know what'll happen. No, that's a real that's a real concern. And and uh, Abdul, there are people who are not going to be able to get the vaccine because of conditions, other conditions that they have. But I always think that's an even stronger argument for the people who don't have those conditions to go get it. In other words. Let's limit the number of people who uh, who are vulnerable to COVID nineteen. Um, uh, you know, there are going to be some folks who are always going to be vulnerable because they can't get vaccinated. That's a good reason for the rest of us to do our part. You know, I I really appreciate that point, Stephen and Susan. Uh, thank you for sharing your story, and I'm really sorry to hear about about your situation, but. Uh, the both of you are highlighting a really important point is that part of the benefit of, of vaccines isn't simply in the individual protection that they offer us, but in the collective protection they offer uh, us with a capital U. Mm-hmm. And when when more of us get vaccinated, we're protecting people like Susan who cannot get vaccinated as a circumstance uh, of their health situation. And it's not just uh, folks with, with potential autoimmune issues. Uh, it's also folks with immune competency issues. Uh, folks who are younger than the age of 12 because they're, the, the, the vaccine hasn't been authorized for use uh, in, in, in younger children yet. Um, and it is people who are, are suffering illnesses uh, that, um, that, 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 that potentially could make uh, an a infection that much worse. And so there is a collective benefit here. But the other part of this, right, the other part of a, a, this, this sort of logic of anxiety, right, that, uh, that we're talking about today is that it strips us of our collective. It makes us think out of fear simply for some uh, distorted sense of what might happen to us as individuals, mm. rather than thinking about how we behave collectively uh, together, which of course is 
uh, one of the most important things for our empowerment. And, you know, it, it's a fascinating uh, moment in, in this pandemic, frankly, in this country, because our technological capacity has bought us out of our failure to manage this pandemic from a public health perspective over the past 15 uh, months. But it turns out that perhaps the most important technology we have the technology on which all of civilization has been built is public trust, yeah. a willingness to invest in other people and allow our collective to be stronger than we as individuals. Anxiety tears at that, tells us that we're alone in this and that we have to do everything we can to protect ourselves. Uh, and unfortunately, you're seeing people not getting vaccinated because of it. Yeah, yeah. Abdul Al-Sayed, it's always great to talk to you and great to have you here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank, thank you so much. Dude. Thanks to student producer Molly Ryan for her help building out the conversation on today's show. Also come back tomorrow for a WDET Constitution Book Club conversation about the Constitution and race with two really great experts on the subject.